Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Essentials, a podcast where we take time to explore our faith, to discuss what's going on in the world and what we experience in our lives, and to hopefully find some joy and some good news that we can celebrate and cling to. Today, I have for you the scripture passages and the message from Sunday, January 28th. Our first reading was Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of honor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has gained renown by his wonderful deeds. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He is ever mindful of his covenant. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. And our gospel lesson came from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, he entered the synagogue and taught. They were astounded at his, at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. Just then was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, throwing him into convulsions and crying with a loud voice, came out of him. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, What is this, a new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. At once his fame began to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Here ends the reading of our word. Now that passage we just heard from the Gospel of Mark is kind of an elephant in the room here in many mainline Protestant denominations. And all week, I tried to tiptoe around the main event of this story. And there is some interesting material there, but mostly it's on the fringes, because in the middle, at the very center of this story, to call it exactly what it is, we find an exorcism. And pastors and Christians everywhere, especially in America, cringe at the thought of having to discuss an exorcism. What do we do with demon possession, with evil spirits that interact with Jesus in our holy book? In Mark's gospel alone, Jesus plays the role of an exorcist four times, driving out the very being of evil. 
Now, depending on the context, maybe this isn't something to be intimidated or confused by. There are many people of faith who combat evil in this very way. But in our setting, in our faith tradition that I'm speaking from, exorcisms aren't common unless we're talking about scary movies. I don't know of any other Moravian pastors who perform them. I've never been asked to do one. We don't learn anything about them in seminary. I don't feel like we enjoy talking about them. And to get away with not addressing them, we typically lean on what is the serious difference in worldview that we find as we compare Jesus' time to our own. And we'd say that in this scene and in others like it, where we find someone possessed, or someone who has a demon in control of their body, we'd say that in our understanding now, we would call it mental illness or a disease. We try to sweep it under the rug. We take the demon out of the equation as quickly as we can. And that's very on brand. Moravians don't spend much time talking about evil spirits. We barely discuss the thought of the devil. They're topics that we avoid because they are unsettling to us. We truthfully don't know what to do with them. So we'd find a different verse to preach on. We skip this demon-possessed man as he walks into worship, proclaims that Jesus is the Holy One of God, and then is driven away by Jesus. But no matter how we try to rationalize it in our modern lens, no matter how tempted we are to pretend like this is just a difference in context, in culture, the truth is that Jesus uses his authority to stare down an evil being and send it away, much to the amazement of the crowd. Jesus was confronted by an evil voice, a demon, and silenced it. And I think that still matters today. I think it matters because we all have our own personal demons. Not necessarily evil spirits that possess us, but battles within ourselves. Voices that keep us from accomplishing what we hope to accomplish, to keep us from being the type of people that we want to be. And just like this voice that confronts Jesus in the synagogue, there are voices in our lives, whether they're internal or external. They're there to mock us, and they can tear us down. We spend a lot of energy trying to silence them so we can find our full potential for good. One of the demons, one of those voices I have dealt with in my life came through my experience of running and racing throughout my childhood and into my young adult years. I've been lining up to run as hard as I can since about the sixth grade. And since then, I can honestly say that here at age 32, I completed two races that I feel 100% proud of. Two races in about 20 years that I look back on and I believe was the very best I could do that day. It's a cliche to say that running is a mental sport, but it is so very true. 
In my experience, I would be doing very well in training. I'd be putting in the miles. My times and workouts were excellent. But I almost always failed to show that full potential on race day. We have Groundhog's Day coming up in just a few days, and it felt like I was stuck in that movie, doing the same thing over and over and over again. I'd get to the starting line feeling strong and confident. I'd get into good position as we got going. But then in every single race, there is a moment. A moment that comes where you have to make a decision. Whether it's an 800-meter race or a marathon, there comes a time when your body starts to hurt, and it hurts bad. And there's that voice in your head that's telling you, this is awful. A voice trying to prevent you from experiencing this type of discomfort. A voice that wants you to give in. So the decision you have to make is to either push through this pain and fight or to cave and fade away slowly. And the voice in my head was almost undefeated in getting me to do what felt like the easier thing, the comfortable thing. It was able to convince me that this was all too much, that I couldn't do it, that the suffering wasn't worth it. It even convinced me that I was the only one on the entire course feeling like this, as if every other runner wasn't just as miserable as I was. And eventually, as that pattern continued, that demon in my head was deafening, deafening to the point where the decision to fade away in the race was made long before I took my first step. There are two occasions that I can confidently say I was able to silence that demon. During my senior year of college, I was in a very frustrating cross-country season. As I ran hundreds of miles in the summer, and that pattern restarted in the fall. The same one as in years before, but now I was watching freshmen and sophomores pass me up on our team rankings. We reached our conference meet towards the end of the year, and what used to be a guarantee was now in jeopardy. I had to use this race to earn my place on the upcoming regional team. And I had a tradition through all my years of racing that about three minutes before the start, I would go off to a quiet place and pray. Just pray by myself briefly. Pray for a certain time for a certain place to have a good race. And I remember on that day, when I prayed to God, I just asked that God would help me shut that voice up. Help me fight when it was time to make the decision. And then usually when I started fading away and getting passed by people, That day, I actually began passing the runners who were in front of me, moving up the field. And the voice from that demon never even reached my ears. The second time was this past summer. 
when I completed my fastest marathon. In the chaos of being on the shuttle buses with 10,000 other runners, I couldn't exactly escape on my own for a quiet prayer. But instead of getting that prayer, I had my big brother there. And he's the person I have been running with. His are the times that I have been chasing my whole life. And he is a human metronome. So on his hip, I was right on pace through 18 miles. And eventually, I felt strong enough. I felt good enough that maybe I could push on and keep going and leave him behind. And when it came time to make that decision, it was his voice there telling me to go for it. Again, never even giving that demon a chance to speak. Now, to have had that feeling twice, just twice, in hundreds of races, reminds me of just how devastating that voice in our head can be. And I think the temptation that I had as I looked at this reading for today, that was the very reason why the voice can have so much control over me. I want to pretend that it doesn't exist. I don't think something so negative deserves my attention. And I think I can just ignore it and eventually it will go away. But those demons that we have are so real. And they can influence our lives in much bigger ways than a few cross-country or track races. That voice within us tells us that we aren't good enough, that we aren't capable, that we don't have enough. And that voice has caused us to make the wrong decisions, decisions that have brought pain and regret for ourselves and for others. And really, that demon or that voice separates us from the worth that we have in being children of God. It separates us from who God has created us to be. I found that silencing that voice requires some help. And through faith or through the partnership of those who care about you, we can block out that noise. And the hope that we find today is the fact that there is an authority that this voice will obey. And that's found in the strength of a God who loves us dearly. A God who will stand face to face with the darkest depths of our human experience and will not leave our side. So when we feel overwhelmed with the amount of evil in our world, as we often do, when things feel so bleak and a negative outcome almost feels predetermined, we remember our God who longs to change that story. So may we find the courage to silence those voices that are telling us we can't do something. By turning to the God who brings life out of the grave, who gives hope to the hopeless, and who promises, promises to us that love and joy 
will always be stronger than whatever we might fear. Amen. Well, I thank you for taking the time to spend another episode here with me. I appreciate you checking in and staying up to date with the podcast. If you'd like to learn more about the church that I serve, it's the Glenwood Moravian Community Church here in Madison. You can find our website. You can follow us on Facebook. You could join us for worship on YouTube. And if you're curious about the Moravian Church in general, you can go to moravian.org. So take care. Be well. I will catch you next time.